The Lord be with you. Also with you. Today uh, we proclaim uh, good news. That's why, uh, that's why we're here. Uh, we proclaim this good news, that in a world that only knows how to repress our desires and indulge our desires, today we proclaim this good news, that God frees us to discern our desires in the light of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Let's pray together. Lord, I pray that you would open our hearts and our minds by the power of your Holy Spirit, that as your word is proclaimed, we may hear with joy what you say to us today. Amen? Amen. 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 As Matt mentioned earlier, we are in the season of Epiphany. Epiphany is all about revelation. It's all about eyes opening. It's all about uh, receiving uh, new uh, revelation, Epiphany, seeing something new about who God is, which is what happens in Christ. Christ comes, and as he is revealed, we start to begin to see uh, who God really is, what his attitude towards us is really like, um, and uh, that's kind of what we're exploring in this season. Uh, in, in, in Christ, God has uh, a human face now, a human body. We can, we can understand in very concrete terms as we read the Gospels what God is like, uh, which is a huge gift to us. Uh, also, as Matt mentioned earlier, we, are in, uh, we, we decided to preach through the 1 Corinthians texts that we're going to be reading through Epiphany, and we started with a doozy, didn't we? Um, so I drew the short straw, I guess, uh, having to preach this text uh, today. But, um, but that, that's what we want to do today is preach uh, this series we're calling Holy Shift, um, God Revealed in Our Mess. Um, and the Corinthian church was a mess, guys. It was a mess. It was a, uh, it, it, like Paul had, Paul had apparently written to the Corinthians before this letter. We don't have that letter. But the Corinthians had written back to him and sort of, I think they were arguing a bit with him. I think they were saying like, you know, Paul, I know that all that stuff that you said earlier, but what about this? And what about that? And what about this? And so Paul, throughout the letter, keeps quoting them from their letter and saying, okay, I'm going to answer your question about this. And that's kind of the passage we have here today. Um, and they seem to be a little bit testy. Um, and, and a lot of what Paul addresses in 1 Corinthians reveals that this church was a mess. Uh, they had all kinds of rival, bitter, partisan uh, conflicts between people who were like, I'm of Paul, well, I'm of Apollos, and well, I'm of Jesus, and, you know, everybody was kind of Jesus-juking each other, um, trying to sort of, like, say, who's, who's got the best leader, uh, which was a very normal thing to do in kind of Greco-Roman society there, and, and Paul realizes that's, a, that's taking place in the church, uh, which is one of the huge uh, issues. There's all kinds of sexual issues, some of which are, are brought up in the passage that we read today. Um, there's, there's questions about divorce and remarriage, there's, and there's all kinds of diversity in this church. There's Christians who are married to other Christians, there's Christians who are married to pagans, what do we do? Uh, there are singles, um, they, and they all kind of come into this world together. There's people of different socioeconomic classes, that provides a huge amount of the conflict, uh, because the wealthy are used to behaving in certain ways, and Paul has to help them understand uh, how that's, uh, that's not appropriate in the church. Uh, people are suing each other. There's idolatry. There's chaos in worship. Uh, there's inequality at the communion meal. Uh, there's some that are denying the resurrection of Christ because that's kind of a, it was kind of a, uh, people didn't like the physical body. And so there's all kinds of these issues that are happening. People are saying, you know, Christ really wasn't raised from the dead. That's kind of icky. You know, we don't want to, we don't want to, we don't want to proclaim that. And so this church that Paul is writing to, was a mess. It was a mess. And yet God, uh, and yet Paul calls them saints in the midst of the mess. He calls them saints. He calls us saints in the midst of our mess uh, as well. Um, 
And so the passage we read today kind of deals with some somewhat sensitive terms and uh, information. So just FYI, there's a lot more we could say about this passage. I'm going to probably keep it on a very general level. Um, and uh, we can, you know, so that you parents can decide when you want to introduce some of these things to your kids. Let the listener understand. Yes, let the listener understand uh, that we're not going to say everything we could say uh, about this passage. So, But that's uh, that's... That's what we want to proclaim, that God is revealed in the midst of the mess of the Corinthian church. God's revealed in the midst of the mess of our church, of our messes, uh, in the midst of our desires that we don't know what to do with. How many of you guys have ever seen, uh, it's a, kind of an obscure film that Disney put out a while back called Moana? You have seen it? Wow. Twelve times. Twelve times, right, yeah. Good, good. So uh, I'm, I'm kidding, of course, it's not a very obscure film at all. Many people have seen it. Um, the story of Moana... Uh, is this story that a lot of movies kind of follow. There's some twists in Moana, but a lot of movies nowadays follow this formula where there is somebody who has a desire, right? That's Moana, right? She has a desire to do what? Kids. Help me out. It's been a while since I saw it. What does she want to do? Go by the beach and swim. She wants to go to the beach. She wants to swim. She wants to go out onto the ocean and figure out what's out there, right? And why can't she do that? Why don't... Why don't Yes, right. There's a rule, right? We're not ocean people. We're island people. Right, right. This is great. Deacon, do you want to This is good. Because it's been a while since I've seen the film, but I just thought of it this morning. So, um, so Moana wants to go out there. She has this desire, but the rules are that she can't do that, right? And it sets up this conflict between what are the rules and the dad thinks we're going to be safe if we follow the rules, if we do what's right. We follow the rules. And they put the rules in place, right, because there is, there's pain. Somebody got hurt. Somebody died by going out in the ocean. And then Moana thinks, that's not how I want to have life. I want to have life by breaking those rules and by following my desires, following my heart, going out onto the ocean. And in the end, ultimately, there's kind of an integration that happens. But the point I want to make is essentially this is the conflict that a lot of us feel. And uh, the conflict that gets set, set up in a lot of our movies, right? I thought of the movie Footloose as well. You guys remember Footloose? Yeah. Right? Not a very good movie. But, uh, but the conflict is, here are the rules, no dancing. And then, you know, somebody comes and is like, no, dancing is real groovy and let's do it, right? Um, and and, and what, you know, what's going to bring life? What's going to bring freedom? Uh, and that ends up being the question. What brings life? What brings freedom? And this is what the Corinthian church was dealing with. Um, they were hearing Paul's message of grace. Uh, you're no longer under the law. And a lot of people were taking this to this interesting extreme, <laughs> right? Where some of the men were visiting escorts, uh, you might say, um, and saying, hey, it doesn't matter what I do with my body. It doesn't matter what happens in this area of my life. Because, you know, God's going to destroy it all anyway. What really matters is spirit. And, I, hey, I have the right to do anything. That was, that was the quote right at the beginning of the passage. I have the right to do anything. But Paul kind of uh, has something to say about it. So it's interesting, though, because Paul doesn't say, yeah, you no, you actually don't have the right to do anything. You should follow some rules. Right? This is the binary that we get caught in is, should we follow the rules or should we break the rules? Where is life? And we get caught in this thing where all we know how to do with our desires is either repress them if we have a desire that we think, oh, that's not very good, we either repress it and think, okay, I'm going to have life if I repress this, or 
we think, I'm going to have life if I indulge this. I need to break this rule. That's how I'm going to find life. Into the midst of that binary where neither one of, both of those things are slavery. They're both slavery. For us to be at the whim of our desires is slavery to those desires. We think we're free, but we're not. And for us to be at the whim of rules that don't make any sense to us, that's not freedom either. Into that milieu, Paul says this. He says, you, you say, I have the right to do anything, but not everything is beneficial. Not everything is beneficial. So it's interesting. Paul doesn't say, actually, you need to start obeying a few rules, right? He doesn't say that. He basically says this. He, he doesn't, he's not trying to balance law and grace. Paul doesn't try to balance this. Instead, he doesn't try to temper their freedom with some rules that help them behave better. Instead, he realizes this is not the, the realm in which you deal with God anymore is not the realm of rules. It's not the realm of what am I allowed to do and what am I not allowed to do. Rules are important for kids, right? Because they're... Kids, listen. Rules are important. Rules are important for kids because they're not adults yet. When you become an adult, you can eat as much candy as you want. I'm not kidding. You can do anything you want. <laughs> but you're not free to avoid the consequences of the things that you choose, right? And so kids are not wise enough yet to know to attach the consequences to their actions. So they need rules. So anyway, but what Paul is saying to the Corinthian church is this. Uh, he's saying that's a false, you don't relate to God through rules anymore uh, because you don't need God if you're just trying to obey the rules or you're just trying to break the rules. It's not actually a relationship with God. Both are forms of slavery. Both are still focused on in reference to the law. Both are focused on the rules. What are you allowed to do? What are you not allowed to do? Instead, Paul says, you now have a completely different framework for thinking about your life. It's not about what are the rules and what can I get away with. Your life now is about what's beneficial, what is wise, according to your new situation. And that's what he says in this passage is you have this new situation. That is, Jesus Christ has been raised from the dead and you are members of his body. And so that is the environment in which you live and that's the framework within which you make these decisions. You're a member of Christ's body. What is that all about? What is this life that you've been given? You're a member of the resurrected body of Christ. You're a temple of the Holy Spirit. You participate now in God's now and future kingdom. You are a child of God. That's the framework within which you make these decisions. In a world that only knows how to repress our desires or indulge our desires, today we proclaim this good news, that God frees us to discern our desires in the light of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So the question now isn't how much can I get away with? The question isn't how, how much, what's going to impress God? The question is, how do I live this life that I've been given to the fullest? How do I learn how to do this thing that I've been, that, that I've been given? So I have the right to do anything. This is what the Corinthians were saying, and they were using it as an excuse to do all kinds of things. This is actually true, Paul says. You do. You do have the right to do anything. You can do anything you want. But not everything is going to help you live into your resurrection identity. Not everything is going to help you do that. And that's who you are now. You're members of Christ's body. So you, you can't just do whatever you want with your body. You're members of Christ's body. Right? Don't do stuff with your freedom that actually enslaves you. This actually raises the stakes because now we have to grapple with why we want the things we want. Right? 
That's not, that's not what we have to do. So in expressing our freedom, we can easily become a slave to our desires. We think we're free, but we're actually slaves to what we think is freedom. That's why St. Saint, Saint John Chrys, Chrysostom uh, said of this passage, he's an old, he lived in like the 400s. Uh, he said, Paul means that if we are free to choose, that we should remain free and not become a slave to any particular desire. So I want to encourage you, stay free. Stay free. Sometimes we think we're being free when we just follow our desires. We're not. We're enslaved to that desire because we can't say no. You're not free unless you can say no or yes. Then you're free. So stay free. Discern the desires of your body in light of the resurrection of Jesus Christ because a lot is at stake. Jesus Christ is raised from the dead. He's the prototype of our resurrection from the dead. And we are now members of his body on the earth, the church. Our bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit. We are not our own. We were bought with a price, as Paul says in this passage. In other words, this is all going somewhere. We're headed somewhere. The Greek word that I like for this, for this, uh, for this concept is telos. It means like end point or ultimate goal. There's a telos to our life together. And that's the light in which we make decisions about what to do with our desires. It's all going somewhere. And what you do with your desires isn't just a private matter. That's another thing I think our American society tries to encourage us, that there's such a thing as a private life. There's really not. You're connected to each other. You're connected to Christ. There's no such thing as your private life, really. What you do affects the people you relate to. That's what Paul is saying in this passage. My right arm doesn't have a private life. Right? It can't just decide. Like, my body is functioning well when, I'm, when it's kind of all geared towards the same purpose, right? So right now, my body is relatively healthy, which means it's cooperating with me in this thing that I'm doing, which is delivering a sermon to all of you. Right? Wouldn't it be weird if my legs just decided, you know what, I'm out of here, and they just started walking <laughs> towards the door? Right? That'd be weird, right? You would say, wow, something's wrong, right? Because I'd be saying, what are my legs doing? What's happening right now, right? That's a malfunctioning body, one that isn't all kind of oriented towards the same telos. And so if we're members of the body of Christ, that's the environment in which we make our decisions about what we do with our bodies, what we do with our desires. What do we do with the things that we want? It's easy to reach out for rules, or, or to just indulge those desires and say, forget the rules, I'm just going to do this because I want to. But that's not the framework within which we operate. We're, that's not your identity. Your identity isn't somebody who has to obey rules or somebody who has to submit to their desires. Your identity is you are a member of Christ's body. So if this is all going somewhere, if you're part of this kingdom, if you're a disciple of Jesus, well then that's the light in which you discern. What are these things that I want? Why do I want them? What am I looking for? We do a lot of this in our DNA groups. Some of you, about half of you, just got out of a DNA group where hopefully this kind of thing is going on. Our desires are not to be rejected or repressed. Neither are they to be automatically indulged or trusted. Instead, they're to be discerned. We're to recognize there's a reason I want this. And my desire has been shaped in a certain way because of my background, because of where I grew up, because of all kinds of different factors. These, these are the reason my desires are shaped in a certain way. 
And we have to discern those things. Because it's possible for a very legitimate desire to be pointed in the wrong direction. Do you guys know what I mean? So the way that we generally break down, like what are the legitimate desires that we have? I think all of us have a desire for belonging. We want to belong to a community. We want to feel like we're part of something. We have a desire for significance. We need to feel like our lives matter. And we have a desire for security, to know that we're safe, that things are going to be okay. Those are all legitimate desires. That's part of being human. The problem for most of us is that those are aimed at things that can't deliver that. Does that make sense? So for example, um, this is how we discern our desires. Belonging, security, significance. Some of us go to great lengths and we arrange our lives in such a way that we want to get in with the cool kids. Right? Are there cool kids at school? Yeah. Kids? Yeah. Are there cool kids? Yeah? Rain is a cool kid. Okay, yeah. <laughs> so people are probably they're arranging their life. Yeah, yeah, they're over there. People are trying to figure out how to get part of the club, right? I, I remember this in high school. I, I was not a cool kid in high school. I just, I remember feeling the pain of that and feeling the, the, just the uncomfortability of it and saying like, man, I wish I, wish I was part of this club. These guys look like they're having fun and everybody likes them and I don't feel like I know how to belong to that club, right? And so we arrange our lives, trying, and adults, we're, we've got cool kids too, right? We're trying to like, we're trying to be part of the cool kids club. Um, that is a legitimate desire for belonging that's aimed in the wrong direction. The cool kids are never going to give you that. That's never going to come from that. Another example, maybe our desire for security is directed towards money. We think, you know what? I have this constant anxiety about money. If I could just have a little bit more money, then I could breathe a little easier and everything would be okay. Nothing wrong with having a little bit more money, but, right? If my desire for security is directed in that direction, if it's oriented towards money, it's going gonna, it's gonna to run my life. It's a slavery. And ultimately, it doesn't matter how much money you have. It's not going to deliver the security you think you need. Maybe I'm a workaholic, trying to impress my bosses, trying to impress my peers, trying to climb the corporate ladder. Why? Because I have a desire for significance. I want to feel like my life is ma matters, right? And so we think, man, if I could just become a VP, at the company, or if I could just start my own business, or if I could just, whatever it is, then my life would matter, then what, I would, then what I'm doing would really count. Yeah? Legitimate desire aimed in the wrong direction. A major part of the work we do in our DNA groups is discerning the things that we desire. What do we want? And we discern, why do we want it? What are we really looking for? And the repentance for us is, is reorienting those desires toward God toward Christ and realizing God has given freely what we long for. He's given freely. We have access to everything we need. That's kind of the audacious, I even feel weird saying it, because that's, that's the audacious promise of the gospel, that you actually have everything you need. And so you are free to discern your desires in the light of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Amen? All right. And this isn't just for our, uh, I'll say this too, like th there's, there's a lot of other issues that we're not going to talk about that we could talk about. I guess maybe you know what I'm talking about. Wink, 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 wink okay. That are not necessarily our own desires, but dealing with the desires of, of, of other people, right? Yeah. There's all kinds of cultural issues happening right now that we need to discern. It's not about finding out what are the rules and how do we enforce them or what are the rules and how do we break them? 
But how do we discern what's happening, not just inside of us with our desires, but, but outside of us, in culture, in society, in our community? It's about discerning those things, not just assuming that we need to find the rules and follow them or find the rules and break them. Yeah. Amen? Yeah, so I just want to encourage us in that. So uh, let's respond to this together. Um, one of my constant battles right now is uh, feeling anxiety about my financial situation. I never used to, uh, never used to be like this, so this is an interesting uh, time for me. <laughs> but I do. I feel uh, I've started grinding my teeth in my sleep. Anybody relate? I bought a mouth guard <laughs> because, I'm, because my, my body is just, like, I can't stop doing it, right? It's not like, oh, I see. I'm worried about money. I'll just stop, right? I can't stop doing it. Um, so this is a battle for me. This is a battleground for me where I'm, I'm desiring something about my financial situation, but I realize that I've placed a lot of my sense of security in that, having enough money. If we have a good month, I relax, I breathe easy. If we don't, I start grinding my teeth. <laughs> um, and so that's for me, that, that's one of my battles right now, in, in my desires. Does that make sense? And so my, my temptation is either to repress it and say, that's bad, I shouldn't feel anxious, I shouldn't share that with anybody, or to just indulge it and say, that probably means I just need to work more hours, make more money. Instead, I'm trying to hold it before the Lord and say, Lord, help me. I'm worried. Help me. What do you have to say to me about my security? I offer this to you. I submit this desire to you. And me confessing this to you is part of me submitting my desire. I don't do this by myself. I do this with others in the body of Christ. And we can speak good news to each other. So what desires are you wrestling with right now? What fears, what anxieties? Those are desires, right? They're desire for something you don't have or feel like you can't have. What are you wrestling with right now? Maybe it's belonging. Maybe you wish you were part of a group that you're not part of. And you feel lonely. You feel isolated. You feel rejected. Maybe it's security. Maybe you want to have more some more money, right? Or you're trying to arrange your life so that you don't have to take any risks or, or whatever it might be. Maybe it's more of significance. Maybe you don't feel like your life matters and you're reaching out to all kinds of things, like my career, or I'm going to become a good mom or like whatever it is. Maybe you feel like your life doesn't matter. What is it for you right now? Where is your desire at? Because today we proclaim this good news that we don't have to repress those things we don't have to indulge those things, but we're free to discern those things in the light of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So let's just have a time of silence here. And I want you to hold that before the Lord. Sometimes it helps me to just imagine that it's in my hands. Lord, my desire for security is in my hands, and I'm holding it before you. Okay? So if it helps you, close your eyes. And let's spend some time in silence. What is it for you? Hold it in your hands and be with it and be with the Lord for a few minutes. Let it be here and let the Lord be here with you. now whatever it is for you, 
just like the boy Samuel learning to hear the word of the Lord. We pray today, Lord, speak for your servant is listening. Lord, what do you want us to know about this today? And just listen for what the Lord might say to you. 